Amen? Amen. I was reading this chapter, and I don't know about you, but I thought it was really funny. Um, it, it's not funny as in comedic, it's just wild, wild. And, um, and so the story, I'm going to start with the nugget of this story in chapter 28, and then I have to tell you the before and the after, and then um, we'll just go from there. But in this chapter, if you guys have your Bibles, in 1 Samuel 28, I'm not going to read it verbatim to you. I'm going to just talk to you about it. But you can gloss over it as I start telling you, and you can see if what I'm telling you is true, okay? So, <laughs> so what happens is in this chapter, Saul is a little afraid. He's not just a little afraid. He's actually petrified. He's terrified. He's moved with fear, actually overcome by fear, because the Philistines have come and they've set up camp against Israel to war against them. So he's really afraid. And the Bible says that he was waiting and looking for a dream or a sign or a word from the prophets. And there was nothing to be said from God. He looked for a sign. He looked for a dream. And he waited for prophets to bring a word and nothing was said. And so Saul, in his not so great wisdom, motivated by fear because the Philistines were coming, went to a witch in order to bring up Samuel, the prophet who had just died, from the dead, to talk to him. He figured, if God didn't give me a dream, and the prophets aren't telling me, they must be incompetent, maybe, and I need to do whatever I can to get the last prophet I really trusted and recognize as speaking from the Lord, even though the last thing that prophet said to him was, your kingdom stripped from your hands and going to be given to David. He says, I'm going to pull up that prophet through a medium, through the witch, to speak to me. Does that sound like a good idea? No, it's never a good idea to go evil to do something good. Never. Okay? But he does it. And in this story, it's, it's kind of wild. The, the word for medium that we have in the Bible here for her, in Greek, it's the same word that we would call ventriloquist. So someone who is mimicking another, right? Ventriloquism. So that's what the word medium means in, in Greek. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping many of you don't have experiences with witches. But um, I have, I've had quite a few experiences with witches. And um, they're always really fun. I've gone into ministry times with witches where, like, I'm talking to them. And then they're telling me their spirits are telling them certain things. So then I'm telling them, well, my spirit, Jesus, is telling me this to you. And we go back and forth. And then they're wrestling, and then, <laughs> it's actually really wild. They're hilarious. And, uh, but, oh, by the way, I just want to say one more story. That was so fun. I, I'm thinking about it right now. I was at this witch place, and it was the center for, like, uh, these New Age people. I don't know if you know this, but these, these, um, these witches and warlocks, that's what you call it, the dudes. They're, and he would call them, the guy, one of the guys dressed in, like, all purple. He looked wild, you know? Called himself a warlock. Anyways, this is crazy. I didn't know this until I went into their camp, you know, to do some ministry. 
But the guy goes, oh, yeah, I go to the Brethren Church down the street. I've gotten up into the leader-like area. And one of the head ladies in the church says, oh, yeah, I'm a part of the, the Christian church down the street, this other Christian church around. And they were literally going into Christian churches to literally just, quote, unquote, act like a Christian and be around them. And is that wild? I didn't actually know that. And it's not even like hearsay. I legit met the people that do that kind of stuff. No, that's crazy. Um, not that we should ever be afraid. This is a great place for them to get delivered. But so we started to do ministry. And this lady had come and she had been going to this, this center uh, for like, I can't remember how many years. I don't want to butcher it. So I'm just going to guess to me. I think it was around 10 years. And she had a problem where she couldn't lift her arm at all. Like she had an injury. And it's really interesting because these, the witches and the warlocks are very strong. And they're making bank off of people who are really broken and afraid. And they're even looking for people afraid, people broken. And they're looking to draw them in because they want to they rake in the dough from them, right? And so... So I, we would go out there and we'd tell people, we'd say, hey, why don't you leave all them? Come over here. We'll give you a free word. Come to us. And, <laughs> and this actually happened a few times. But this lady comes up and I looked at her and I just started ripping the gospel to her, telling her about Jesus. And I remember David, who was leading worship right now, he was playing the guitar over on the side. And, um, and I remember the lady looking at me and then she says, oh, it's it's amazing that, you know, you're a quote-unquote Christian, but you're here as if, like, I'm partnering or something. And I looked at her and I said, there's no one that believes the Bible as much as I do. I am I'm as Bible-believing of a Christian as it gets. I was setting it straight. I am not here to participate with witchcraft. I'm here to take you out of this place. And I looked at her and, and, I, and I told her, I said, and I said, Jesus is the only way. And I said, to show you that Jesus is the only way, I said, I'm going to pray for your arm right now. And I started to pray the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I said to her, lift up your arm in Jesus' name. And she lifts her arm all the way over her head, starts weeping, crying, just pouring down tears. And she goes, oh, my God. What church do you go to again? I tell her. And she says, i got to go back to church. I'm like, yes, you do. Stop coming here. Go to church. Anyways, that was a side story. So, Saul here is going to the witch. The story goes, as you, as you read the Bible, I really encourage you to read it. It's a fascinating story. Um, he goes to her, and she's actually afraid at first. She thinks, oh, because he's disguised himself. Saul has made himself, you know, put a mask on or whatever. She couldn't tell that it was King Saul. And she was afraid at first. She says, oh, if I do what you're asking me to do and bringing somebody, somebody up from the dead, I'm not allowed to do that anymore because the king, King Saul, said that if anyone does this, they're going to be put to death. And Saul disguised goes, don't worry about it. I'll, like pretty much, I won't tell a soul. You know, I can tell any, I'm not going to tell on you, you know. And the lady says, all right, you know, let's do this. So the story goes that she does whatever she does, and, and she goes, oh my gosh, I, I, see, I see somebody, and she's a little shocked, and Saul says, who do you see? What do you see? And she says, I see Samuel coming up, and then at that moment, the witch knew that he was Saul, and she gets really scared, 
And Saul's basically like, don't trip out. Just tell me, what, what, what are you experiencing? What are you seeing? Um, so we know that Saul's not appearing in the passage. He's not like standing there because she's the one seeing Saul. You guys following? And she's acting like a quote-unquote ventriloquist in this sense. She begins to speak as though, as if it was Saul. So when you read it, you'll kind of, sorry, Samuel. She'll, she'll speak as if Samuel's speaking. Um, and we know that's the case because Saul doesn't have a clue what's going on. And he's asking her to relay it to him. Does that make sense? So as she starts telling him, she starts speaking as though it's Samuel. And in the voice of Samuel, it's, um, the Lord's taken the kingdom from your hand. What are you doing? Basically, you're being a dumb dumb. You're going to die tomorrow. You're going to die tomorrow. Does that sound like a good word? That sounds pretty gnarly. The Bible says that Saul got so shaken up that he was stuck. He couldn't eat or anything. And after the word, the witch felt so bad kind of thing. She's like, I got to make you some food. <laughs> She's making him food. And meanwhile, there's a whole nother side story going on. You ready for this? All right. Two chapters before. This is, that, that right there is in 1 Samuel chapter 28, okay? You all going to read it. Before that, a few chapters before that, really intriguing. There's a constant theme with Saul tied with David. And Saul doesn't always show himself to be obedient to the voice of the Lord and what God's calling him to do, right? But God in his mercy, I'm giving you the, the interpreted version, okay, right here. God in his mercy is giving him multiple, multiple, multiple times to repent. Multiple times to repent and to change. And he goes, and one time, for example, he goes into a cave to go to the bathroom David just happened to be in the cave, could have killed him, cut off a piece of his clothes while he's going to the bathroom. So then when he goes out and Saul's trying to kill David, David's like, dude, I could have killed you, bro. Here's a piece of your clothes, yeah? Happens again, a second time, the next chapter, David could have killed him again, and yet he didn't. He says, I don't want to touch the Lord's anointed. And he says, I don't want to have to touch you. It's wrong for me to kill you when God has placed you in this position. It's not for me to dethrone you, in other words. Does it make sense? So multiple times, and even if you go back farther than that, Saul, in his disobedience to God, all of a sudden these demons would torment him, these spirits would torment him, and he would get really angry. And if you saw David walking throughout the halls, he'd pick up a javelin and chuck it at him. And David's jumping around like dodgeball. If you could dodge a stick, you could dodge a ball. He's chucking javelins at him. I don't know about you, but that would be crazy. And David's still sticking around trying to help him for a little bit. But then David would play the music. He'd play stringed instrument. And we all know these stories. And, and what happens is that when he play the music, this spirit that was tormenting Saul would be quenched. And Saul would get peace. You know what that is? That's called a sign. That's called a moment for repentance. Okay? So as we go on, what happens is he gets multiple times where he tries to kill David. He can't David. David ends up having to flee. David, when this is all going down and Saul's so scared, 
David had actually become a person, a citizen in the Philistine lands. He actually lived with the Philistines for more than a year. Okay? And he had a bunch of people with him. And the king, one of the kings of the Philistines, there's a bunch of them, but one of the commanders of the Philistines who David was, this is, this guy was king where David was specifically, um, started to have huge favor for David. Gave David all this land and stuff. And so when Saul is seeing the Philistines, he knew that David was with them and he was terrified. There was a word saying the kingdom's going to become David's and he's doing whatever he can to stop it. Instead of repenting and turning to a merciful God, when David wasn't looking to kill him anyways, to potentially extend his life and to turn things around for him. Does that make sense? And so when he knows that David's with the Philistines and the Philistines are all around, he's not getting a word from God and he is overcome with fear. And the story goes on that while he's overcome with fear and he's doing this thing with the witch, on the other side of town, (laughs) it's not a town, but on the other side of the field, we'll say, where all the Philistines were, you have... You have David with them, but the other heads of the Philistines didn't feel comfortable that David and his men were there fighting with them, and they were a little nervous, like David was going to like change his mind in the midst of it and slay them. And then they told the king that was over David, they told him, they said, this is a great opportunity for him to win favor with Saul again. You know, this, we don't feel comfortable. So the, David, the king over David said, bro, I trust you. I love your heart. Just get the heck out of here. You got to go. Go back home. You can't fight with us. So while all this stuff's going on with Saul and the witch, David has to flee the battlefield. Are we all still there? We understand the story still? Okay. He flees the battlefield with his men. He goes back to his home. Do you know what happened at his home? A place called Ziglag. What a fun city name. It was burning with fire. The town, the city that he lived in was burning with fire. His, the wives of all the people, and his wives, he actually had two of them right there, and all the children are taken. The women and the children were taken. The place is burning on fire. David begins to weep, and the men begin to weep. The Bible says that the men started to get upset because their children were taken captives, and they started to think, about stoning David. And the Bible says that David was distressed. Saul was overcome with fear. David is having a moment of major distress. He's stressed out, beyond belief, overwhelmed, anxiety. Oh, But what does he do? What does David do? This is what David does. The Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, that sentence is kind of vague. We don't really know what he did, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's thinking, he's meditating on the faithfulness of God. All the battles he's been in, all the times of deliverance he's experienced, the times when the hand of the Lord had appeared that even though something tragic has happened, he's got a God who's more powerful than the tragedy. 
And the, all it says is he strengthened himself in the Lord. But then he does something unique. There was a priest in his group that had run away, that was with him from the tribe of Levi, a priest, a Jewish priest. And he told the priest, he said, go get the ephod. If you don't know what an ephod is, it's basically like the cloak that the priests would wear. There was two, there's a couple different types. A normal priest would have a linen ephod and then the, the high priest had a gnarly one. And we know Jesus would, or not Jesus, uh, David wore the ephod when he was, you guys know the story where they're playing, they're bringing in the ark and he's like dancing before it, all this stuff. Well, he's, he's actually wearing priestly, uh, priestly ephod at first. And that's, anyways, so he says, bring the ephod. And what does David do? He acts like a priest and starts to pray. He doesn't turn to a witch. He starts to pray. And then what happens? He says, God, they've taken our women. They've taken our wives. They've taken our children. God, I know that if I pursue them, I'll catch up to them. But what do you say? And God says, surely you will catch up to them and go fight against them and you're going to deliver the women and the children. So he gets pumped up. He tells his buddies, 600 of them, let's go. 200 of them are a little lazy and say, I don't want to. So 400 of them leave. They go a little farther. 200 more get super tired. David says, stay behind then. Continues on. Now he's got 200. Long story short, actually it's a pretty wild story. You find this Egyptian guy, really cool side story. And this guy had been in the desert for three days and three nights. Sound familiar? Anyways. Um, I wish we could talk about it, but okay. I don't have all night. So David gets to the place where the Philistines are or not the Philistines, the Amalekites. He gets to the place where the Amalekites are who took their, the wives and the children and with 200 guys went down there and gave them a spanking, literally hardcore, beat them up. And the Bible says that 400 young men of the Amalekites escaped, which is really interesting that 400 escaped and 400 dudes didn't follow David. But 400 end up escaping and they're able to get all of this plunder and David takes the plunder and the women and the children it back and then the guys that went to war were like hey these guys that sat around and like sucked on their thumbs and were too tired couldn't do anything they shouldn't be getting the spoils David it should be going to us we're the ones that put in the effort and David said no 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 no. this battle this God you didn't win the battle on your own God gave us the victory therefore everybody deserves the spoils it's by grace. And that actually, that moment, that actually became a precedent for all battles for the future for Israel ever since that time. They would go to battle. They would actually share it with all the warriors regardless. But David says this, and I find it really interesting. So, okay, now back to Saul for a second. I'm almost done with the story. And then we'll talk. So Saul has this weird encounter with a witch, the witch of Endor. And has this moment with, quote-unquote, Samuel through the ventriloquist, says, you're going to die tomorrow. 
you and your sons. So he goes to battle the next day, and his sons are just wiped out. And the Bible says that someone shot an arrow from the Philistines, and it, it shot him in the stomach. Now, Saul wasn't dead. He wasn't dead. And as long as you're breathing, there's a moment to repent. Yes? <laughs> Guys, there was a king that was doing such stupid stuff that God sent a prophet and said, get your stuff in order, you're going to die. You're done. I'm not even going to wait for some other king to come take you over. You're dead. Like, this is done. I, I'm giving you just enough time so that you can distribute your goods to whatever children you want. That's as much mercy as I'm giving you. You're dead. And this king starts weeping and bawling. Ask God for mercy. And God says, all right. Here's, here's 10 or so years more. Keep reigning. Isn't that crazy? Okay. Saul, Saul gets shot in the stomach. And yet he's overcome with fear. And what does he do? He turns to his armor bearer and says, stab me, kill me, stick a knife, stick the sword in me. And the armor bearer says he was so terrified, like shaking in his boots. I don't know if there's one, probably sandals. Shaking in his sandals. So scared. He's like, I, I, I couldn't do it. And so what does Saul do? Ugh. So sad. What does he do? He kills himself. He brings out a sword and falls out in himself. He was missing the opportunity. Yes? I want to I just highlight these two people for a second. Saul had multiple opportunities. It's the mercy of God. The Bible says it's his long-suffering, his forbearance, that he, that he literally waits with vessels of wrath. These, if, if we're acting as people like Saul in this moment, God is, he's, he's long-suffering, giving multiple opportunities of mercy. But Saul was the kind of person in this moment where he wasn't acting like a priest. See, Saul was a Jew, and he's a fully Jew. The guy is a king, okay? He's the king of the Jews. He can be more Jew than he was, yes? And yet, he's totally, he's, he's totally cool with getting words from prophets, He's totally cool with getting a dream. He's totally cool with getting signs. But the heart of the worshiper was far from him. The heart of the priest was far from him. Instead of him learning to imitate David in his pride and his arrogance and fear of David and learning from David, what does he do? He, he never learns to pick up the, the, the minstrel himself. He never learns to pick up the instrument himself. He never learns to go to the presence. But when the, when the trial came, when the trial came, he was really put to the test. And instead of him going to the Lord as a man before God, he went to a witch. And he was so afraid of other people. He was so afraid of losing his throne, which was never his that he gained on his own to begin with. And he's so afraid of losing it that he makes stupid decisions. Stupid. So stupid that I would just... Okay. This story with Samuel, it's a really intriguing story. The story is as the story says. There's no, it's just is what it says, yes? 
But understanding, is it actually Samuel? Is it not? That's called interpretation, okay? And there's, there's some wiggle room in that in the church. Did you guys know that there was multiple interpretations in the early church on this passage? The, 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 which is interesting because usually we talk about it as though it's like literally Samuel coming up. Did you know that the majority view in the early church was that this was a demon and this was trickery towards him? And that he, he believed the word which became a curse to him. So therefore he killed himself rather than turning unto the Lord. Isn't that wild? David, on the other hand, is getting javelins thrown at him. <laughs> he has to go live in a cave. He's got the, he's got the nobodies coming out of God knows where, coming to him in the middle of God knows where, which I know where it was. It was in Engedi. By the way, this place is really cool. You got there, you're in the middle of the desert, and then there's like this cavern. Not a cavern, a, a kind of like a very narrow valley. And this is where David was hanging out. By the way, like the, the, <laughs> the walls are super steep right there, like extremely steep. So there's one entrance in, right? So you could actually defend yourself if you're a small band of people. Because there's only one entrance in. But on these super steep hills, there's these, what are they called? They're called ibex, these little like deer things, you know? And they're hanging on these rocks. And they're running up the side of the mountain. Isn't that crazy? And you're like, you're in there and you're in the middle of this valley. And you just see all these little guys running on the walls. And it says, Scripture says, like, hinds feet in high places, that you set my feet upon the rock. Yeah? And so this is when David's writing some of those psalms. He's seeing this. He's saying, God, you, you make me tread upon impossible places. <laughs> Anyways, down at the end of this valley, you know, you know what at, what's at the end of the valley? At the, oh, it's not even a valley. Sorry, it's like a little, I'm talking like a skinny wedge. It's like you're Indiana Jones going on a trip. So at the very end is a waterfall coming out. Fresh water coming out of the rocks in the middle of the desert. Anyways, I don't know why I was talking about that. So David was somebody going under a lot of stressful moments, having to leave your wife, having to literally be abandoned, having to be excommunicated, not just from one small community, from the whole nation, having to run away literally life on the line, having a king chasing you to want to kill you constantly. Yeah, he doesn't get better. He doesn't get weird. He pursues God. He pursues God. And he never stopped being the person in that context. He does some dumb stuff later in his life. Okay, but we're not going to get to that. He starts, he continues to pursue God in these moments though. Yes? And when he is brought with a trial... You have two people, two different styles. One is he's a Jew, believes God is real, believes that God speaks, yet doesn't personally pursue. In other words, he honors him with his lips, but his heart is far from him. David pursued with his heart. And God was pleased with that. Yes? So when they're both put in the predicament of a trial, Saul gets overcome by the fear. 
and he doesn't even know how to strengthen himself in the Lord. She should have learned. He should have been able to recognize, I could have died by David multiple times, but Lord, you saved me. And you gave mercy to me. And Lord, though he be with the Philistines right now, and they're coming, I need not be afraid. God, I trust in you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, if you will to take this kingdom from me, take it from me, Lord. I live as your servant. Ooh, he had a moment. He didn't know how to do it. Man. And so he goes to a witch. David has his buddies that he's been giving his life for. Literally, they're fighting, which these guys are mighty, mighty, mighty men. Okay? And they want to stone David. They're so upset because their children are involved. David's in the predicament, yet he strengthens himself, and then he does what was normal to him. He sought the face of the Lord. Yeah? So my word, I just feel like, we have to be people. Look, trial's going to come. Trial's going to come no matter what. The trials in this world, you'll have tribulation. It's not, I'm not prophesying bad stuff over you. I'm just saying, you live in a world where there's bad stuff that happens. Yes? But what kind of people do we persist in being in the everyday that puts us in the right place for handling the tough situations that come before us? God forbid we're people that are totally fine with the prophetic, yet we never seek him in the secret place. And when the stuff hits the fan, you know, we'll turn to God knows what just to relieve our fear. That would be terrifying. And how do we know that's even going to happen or not going it's, it's, it would be impossible. The only way that that would ever happen is if we don't know that we have heart connection with God. If we don't get heart connection with God, we're setting ourselves for a really bad scenario in the future. Saul thought he was doing something good. Think about it. He wasn't going to the witch to get a witch's word. Think about it. He wasn't going to the witch to get Satan's word to him. He was, he was under the deception that he could talk to Samuel through the witch. Through something that God says, that's horrible. That's witchcraft. Don't ever do it. Yes? But he thinks he's doing something good. We do dumb things when we don't pursue the face of God. In fear. When we're overcome with fear, we do whatever to try to make ourselves feel better. But we've got to be people like David in this moment who strengthen themselves in the Lord and put on the ephod. That's a funny word. Who put on the garment of the priest. Who say, I don't need to be afraid. Who like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who like Daniel who like multiple people, who like Elijah, 
when the armies were surrounding him and Gehazi was like, oh God, we're done. Elijah, this whole army wants to kill you, buddy. And I just happen to be here with you. And Elijah's like, chill, bro. Micah version, chill. There's more with us than those who are with them. Wow. There's more with us than those who are with them. Father, open his eyes. Gehazi looks all on the hill. Angels with chariots of fire. Elijah goes out to him, stretches out his hands. The whole army goes blind. We can't see. Elijah goes, have you all lost your way? I love it when prophets get a little sassy. Have you, have you all lost your way? Let me help you. Everybody, link hands like little children. Takes them to the king of Israel. You know what the king of Israel says? Let's kill him. And Elijah says, no. Prays for them. Their eyes are opened. And they see themselves in a place where they could have easily been massacred. The Bible says that that group never came back to bug Israel ever again. They went home, they said, forget that place. We're never dealing with them again. <laughs> what, what do we see and what, how do we respond when the trials or the things happen? Who we are as individuals and what we see that goes beyond the physical will put us in a place to act right, to act good, to do the right thing. And the right thing, you better be careful because the right thing if we're not seeking his face, we'll think it's the right thing, but it ain't the right thing. You know? Oh. I'm going to end with the thought of, and then if we get the, is the worship band in here? Do you guys want to come up? I don't even know if they're in here. I think they, oh, let's go. We got a piano player. Everybody give a hand to Johanna. <laughs> the Bible says that he's made us a kingdom of priests. We're kings and priests in God. And as Christians, it's not like, oh, I got a title Christian and it ends there, you know? It's not, that's not the end. Of, it's not like, I, I get to just keep living like that. God's out there. Every once in a while, someone might give me a word. You know what the Bible says? I love this verse. It says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I don't think Saul was too, like, hyped on the idea of him prophesying. But he liked to get words. Earnestly desire to get connection with God. Earnestly desire... David says, one thing do I seek. One thing will I seek. Dwell in the house of the Lord. To gaze upon his beauty. To inquire in his temple. <laughs> what, what is, um, our life doesn't have to be void of the presence, right? Like our life doesn't have to just be, I, I am a Christian, but I just, literally my life is no different from the people of the world. You are so different if you're a Christian. There are angels marching around right now. The everlasting God 
has put his dunamis, power, his power, the Holy Spirit, his presence in you. Yay. And God wants to just hang out with us. He's super merciful. Think about how long-suffering he was with Saul. He's, this, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I love that David, when he gets a prophetic word from Samuel, you're going to be king. And then he gets thrown into caves and everything. It's not like David's like, well, God, you've abandoned me. can't be with my wife I'm, I'm I'm this has happened I've been completely abandoned no you have not David yes God I just pray for us father I pray that I pray that we would all be drawn into the secret place and I pray that Christianity would be real to us and that we would see your face Lord God. I pray you'd captivate us I pray you would I pray you would grab our hearts and ring on it. And I pray that you would fill us with your love. And I just prophesy this over you. I declare this over you. The Bible says, I pray that you would know the length, the height, the depth, and the width of the knowledge of God's love for you so that you might be filled with the fullness of him. And I pray that over you right now. I pray supernaturally that you would grow in the knowledge of the love of God for you so that you might be filled with the fullness of him. Someone came up to me in the coffee shop yesterday. I'm gonna go to his church for fun tomorrow. But um, they're a really interesting bunch. Uh, I'll be candid because I don't think he's gonna watch this. But um, he's, uh, they're, they're like a Russian group that's like, very different from church that you would ever experience kind of thing, okay? But he comes up and he is, he's, he's he got to be talking about how God is all of the action, how he's, he's, his wrath and everything, saying all this stuff. And I was pondering and thinking, and as I was talking to him, you know, isn't it great that God doesn't live out of his wrath? Do you guys know that the Bible says that he is slow to anger? quick to forgive, abounding in loving kindness and tender mercies? Thank God. Did you know that there is a day of wrath? Praise God, it's not an everyday wrath. There's a day of wrath stored up for the end. And it's because he's loved that there is one. Yes? Oh, I just got hit with Jesus' presence. It's because he's love that there even is one of those. Thank God he's not looking at you all mad right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Are we a people that actually understand that God became a man and walked with us, and he really died, and he resurrected? God became a man, Jesus. Are we Christians? Yes! I God, I hope so. Yeah! I am, come on. You know, he's real and he's got mercy. He desires to have mercy on all of us. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 11, he's committed all to lawlessness that he might have mercy on all. Whosoever, whosoever shall believe. 
Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. You don't know that story. Go read it in the book of Exodus. So also must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's so merciful. He's so good. Aren't you glad that like after the judgment for all eternity he's not going to be showing his wrath? Wrath is not an eternal attribute of God. Love is. And it's because he's love, he has wrath. Yes? Praise God, it's for a moment. Oh, but it would be terrifying to be in that. Father, we just love you. I'm going to pray one more time. I just want to pray for if anybody in here honestly doesn't know Jesus and you want to give your life to him right now. The Bible says that he was lifted up for you. God became a man and died so that we can have eternal life and faith in him. He resurrected from the grave. He died. He wants to forgive you of your sins. If you felt overwhelmed with condemnation, if you continually see yourself like you're a sinner, I've got good news for you. It starts with the beating of the chest saying to God, I'm a sinner, forgive me. And it ends with you dying to your old man, dying to sin and becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and him giving you new life, abundant life, making you a new creation where the old on and the new has come, washing you completely clean. The Bible says your sins were as red as scarlet and he's made you white as snow. Come on, guys, white as snow. How do you view yourself? Are you still stained up or are you white as snow? That's what the blood has done. Better than any work that you've ever done for yourself. Our righteousness is filthy rags compared to the Lord. want to dance sometimes if that's you in here I just want you to put your hand on your heart say Jesus take my life I want you to see him on the cross say Lord I believe in you Lord I believe that you died for me I believe that you gave your life for me guys this is real last week someone gave their life to the Lord it happens all the time this is happening I want to ask the uh, prayer can I get the prayer team up and then I think Joan was in here this week. Mm. Calling people up. Jonathan, can you come up here to pray for people? Thanks, buddy. Mark, can you come up? Stephen, Haley. and Carlos, would you guys come pray for people for a little bit? I'd appreciate that. Jay, would you come and pray for people? I appreciate that. That's what I want. If you want to get prayer, just get loved on for a little bit. I want you to come up and get prayer. Um, okay, they're so filled with love, they can't help themselves. <laughs> Yay! I love you. Oh, God bless you. I love you guys so much. I want to encourage us as a church to, to love one another, hang out with one another, take some people to lunch, coffee. Don't be strangers to other individuals. We're not called to live in little bubbles and every once in a while we see each other, right? We're family. We really are family. And we're called to be here for one another. And last week I had mentioned, I was talking to Jesse about it. And we had mentioned it last week, but 
you know, if you find yourself over the age of 35, and I joked a little bit saying if, if, if that's the cutoff for being the president of the United States, it could be a good cutoff here. But if you're over the age of 35, um, I just really challenge you to look around and to find, find people that are younger than you and just bless them and look for connection, conversation, and grow with one another. Birds of a feather tend to flock together, and we got to literally be, I always blank on that word. Intentional, thank you. I blanked on that word last week too. We gotta be intentional about things that are not normal for us as humans. Just like you have to be intentional to seek his face. All right, love you guys. I'm done. This is open for prayer. I really wanna encourage you, don't come up for prayer if, you, if you're like, oh God, my life's horrible. Come up for prayer if you're just, even if you're just, I just want more of Jesus. Even you might even find yourself wanting to bless one of them. Come up and bless one of them. Okay? I love you guys. Okay, bye.